I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of what God's doing in this church and to be a part of your pastor's life and his family and uh, to have known them for many years. It's really indeed a blessing. And sometimes you want to say something, you want to say something that's good and you want to say the right thing. I don't know how to say it. I just, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. As far as uh, uh, these high flyers, they don't impress me. I've preached for a few of them. They don't impress me in the least. I am impressed to have my wife and four kids and their, and their spouses and grandkids and one great grandkid. I'm glad they're who they are. They love me and uh, that's enough for me right there. Praise God. And to have good friends means a whole lot. Hallelujah. And it's good to see my friend Brad here tonight. I haven't seen him for a long time. Maybe it's Costa Rica or maybe Africa. I, Africa? Yeah, in, in uh, Kenya. Amen. Well, you know, I was thinking about the wonderful power of God, the miracle power of God. And over the years, if you survive, what doesn't kill you will make you better. Amen. And someone said, well, you've mellowed out. Well, I needed to mellow out. And I can remember being pretty strong and severe and demanding and, you know. And over the years, if you get beat up enough and you go through some deep waters and, and uh, lose loved ones and get knocked down a few times and get back up, it'll, it'll do something for you. It'll do something for you. And... Uh, to see people saved. I don't discount one person here tonight. I don't, I don't discount not one that I know of that can't be saved. I wouldn't wish my worst enemy to go to hell. And I, I don't know who they are because I forgave them all. Amen. So I don't have any as far as I'm concerned. We get letters from time to time that are, uh, you know, nasty letters. But they don't give them to me. And so I just think everybody loves me. <laughs> Amen. Our youngest son, Ben, uh, the doctors didn't give him any hope. They said he'll never get married, never drive, never read. And, uh, of course, now he, he drives. He has a good job. He reads more books than I do. He speaks two languages. Uh, uh, they're not, he's not as, as correct as he ought to be, but we know what he's saying. Amen. Wigglesworth wrote a letter one time and someone told him, you know, you misspelled 13 or 16 words in that letter. And he said, did you know what I was saying? They said, yeah. He said, that's all that counts. It's all that counts. And that's, that's Ben. He just believes God. He, we lost, uh, he lost his first son, uh, Jason, when he was six months old. And we went through that. And I've sat in those doctor's offices at uh, uh, the Children's Hospital, stayed at McDonald House and prayed and fasted and did everything, <clears throat> and the Lord took that boy, and he went home to be with the Lord. And David said, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. And so uh, you go through some trials in your life, go through some dark waters, deep waters, and you, you're crying out from your heart, oh God, bring us through this. But what he does is he does something, if we'll allow it, listen, if we'll allow it, he'll work a grace in our life. If we'll allow it. Not get mad at God, not get upset with people, if we'll allow these hard places and these deep waters, he will work a grace in our life. Amen. So I preach with a lot of hope and I hate sin just like you do. And sin's ugly and it's mean, it'll cripple you. It's not good. Amen. And I love righteousness. But I've never gotten anyone to live righteous by beating them over the head. 
But I've seen a lot of people that live righteous when they heard what Jesus did on the cross and how they could be made strong and how they could live for God and how they could please God and how they could fulfill their destiny. Amen. I remember once or more than once our, our kids would get in trouble and I'd say, now I'm not going to spank you this time. They were little, but you promised me you won't do this again. That went a long ways. It went a long ways. Now, I'm a granddad now, and I don't care for these spankings as much as I did back then. <laughs> Amen. We just take the grandkids and spoil them rotten. Yeah, we just spoil them rotten. And then if they're to come and get them about 10 o'clock, I give them a lot of chocolate bars to eat right before the, the kids get here. I give them a lot of chocolate. Amen. All the coffee they want with cream and sugar in it. And then they can take them home all jazzed up and stay up half the night. Revenge. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember when uh, our son Ben was fairly small, and I got a call from a lady in our church that said, she asked me, she said, do you believe that God can raise the dead? Now, I knew this lady was a little bit in the twilight zone, you know, a little bit, you know. And I said, yeah, I, I believe it. Every church has those. I know you don't have any here like that, but I mean, <clears throat> uh, they're a lot of fun. Okay, they'll keep you on the edge. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. And so <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I do, Lucy. I do believe that. She said, well, my dad's in the hospital and he died. Will you go pray for him? I said, I will. So I would have to be taking care of Ben that day. And I said, we're going to the hospital. Let's go. So we got in the car and he said, what are we going to do at the hospital? I said, we're going to pray for a man. He said, what's wrong with him? I said, he's dead. <laughs> and he said, uh, oh, okay. He's like, oh, okay. That's, and so we got to the hospital, and uh, Ben had to stay out in the waiting area, and I went right through the door there where they were. Uh, the orderly and a nurse was with this young lady at her dad, uh, with her dad. And so I said, Ben, you wait right here, and I'll go in there, and then I'll be right back. So while I was in there, Ben went to all those people. There were about 12, 14 people waiting. He went to all those people, and he said, My dad's a pastor, and he's in there raising that man from the dead right now. <laughs> he said, Yeah. And they just thought that was the cutest thing. They laughed. He said, Yeah, he'll be out in a few minutes, and that man will be with him. <laughs> so it wasn't but just about five minutes. I prayed and did the best I could, but uh, he was gone. That's just all there is to it. And I, uh, I, I said, Well... Let's go. And so as I walked out, the uh, nurse, who was a male nurse, walked out with me. And Ben jumped up in front of all those people and he said, yay, he did it. <laughs> and, of course, I had to explain to him that it was that man's time to go. And there wasn't a whole lot I could do about it. I'd like to, but I couldn't. Amen. But we do believe in uh, miracles. We believe God raises the dead. Amen. It's proven that one was raised from the dead in Nigeria in one of Bonky's meetings. I don't know if you know about that. The guy had been dead, and Bonky didn't even pray for him. He was taken into the basement of that church, but he came alive. But the truth is, we believe that if you're in sin, you can be quickened and raised from the dead. Amen. So tonight, uh, if you have your Bibles, let me minister for a few minutes, and then we'll pray for folks. And if you would, turn over to the book of Exodus, chapter 16 in Exodus, and we're looking at a few verses of Scripture, about 4, 16, and verse 14 in Exodus. 
it's interesting that some people seem to have uh, more anchors and seem to be stronger and seem to hear more and be able to live a, a life for God that's uh, effective. And it seems that they just uh, hear from God and God answers their prayer and they grow in God. And I've wondered about this and said, God, what is it? What is the difference uh, in these people that seem to have such a close intimacy with you? And uh, uh, what's, what's behind that? Now, in this passage of Scripture, I want to show you three things that I believe will help us understand. And that is that revelation comes individually on the level of experience. And then the second thing that's important to see is that we must place ourselves in a place where revelation is happening. And then the third thing that's very simple is that revelation is not much unless we're willing to share it with others. And so if you look at this passage of Scripture, verse 14, it says, When the layer of dew of that evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said one to another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it of every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece. Omer, I believe, is about a, a bushel. And according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent, the sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some little. Verse 18. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said unto them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun, when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now I want you to notice uh, something that's very important about Revelation. Revelation comes to us at the level that we will experience it. And this is very, very important. The error of this generation is that divine truth is apprehended by a book or a tape or some convention or some great teacher. And they go forth thinking, I know this. I have this information. And it, it really doesn't do much for them. It's head knowledge. But they've never really experienced it. You see, Revelation to Ruth that's real and divine truth it comes by revelation and it's vitally connected to the experience level of every day and so this is unfold here in just a moment if not what happens is that truth that came to us whether it's a tape whether it's a book I believe in books and tapes and I love to go to good meetings but if it is not experienced in our life then it begins to rot and grow sour and stink. The Bible says knowledge puffeth up. And so when we try to appropriate and uh, we try to get more truth than we can digest, it breeds worms because of pride that comes in. This is why it's so hard many times to get church people to do anything. Is it's all up here, but it needs to get in here. 
Amen. And the ministry that, we, that goes beyond our experience is like something of manna that's gathered every day. That ministry comes forth, and that truth is simply there. And if we're not careful what happens, it gets in the natural mind, and it's not experienced. The Holy Spirit goes right past us, and that that we've acquired or we think we have begins to stink. It breeds an unhealthy attitude, and people tend to think higher of themselves. It's just a head experience. There is a biblical principle that's woven all the way through the scriptures, and you cannot teach a person above their level of experience. You cannot. In evangelism, if we teach on evangelism, I've, I've taken courses on evangelism in Bible college. I've seen seminars and books on evangelism. But if that truth is not experienced and just believed, it breeds worms. Now that's a tremendous thought. It breeds and worms and becomes foul. And people talk about it, but we never do it. When it comes to worship, if it's worship that is experienced, and just like this tonight, where hands are raised and out of our hearts, we just worship and love God. And wow, that was a good song service. And it's so real to us, and it's so powerful. Why is that? Because it comes from the heart. And that makes the difference. God gives hidden manna day by day at the level of our experience. And that's how God works. If we know the truth and do not act upon the truth according to the Word of God, it breeds spiritual declension. And so one of the ways a person becomes a self-deceived person is to simply hear but never do. That's what the Word of God says. To hear but never be a doer of the Word of God. And so it is uh, that Zacharias... And Mary, both of them had a visitation from the angel. Zacharias, uh, the scripture says, doubted, he questioned, he analyzed. And the, and the Lord uh, smote him with dumbness. He couldn't talk for a whole, the whole period of time that she carried John. Couldn't. But Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. And she simply believed that. You know, God, I've never claimed to have a gift of healing. Some people may think that that's the case. That's all right. But I've never claimed to heal anybody. Amen. I've seen people healed in services and made, I mean, a miracle happen for them. Right during a, pla a place of praise and worship, they were healed. I mentioned the lady on the last night uh, uh, when pastor was there with uh, judgment. And just in that service from another church in Pueblo... This woman hadn't heard for eight years. This is the absolute truth, isn't it, Pastor? She hadn't heard for eight years, and her ear popped open in that, in that altar service. She could hear. Someone had hit her in the side of the head. She couldn't hear. It was, she was totally stone deaf in that ear, but it was healed. It had to be a creative miracle that eardrum had been damaged. You see, this thing of revelation can only come at the level of our experience. And we've been through some experiences. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to know, second of all, something that's very important tonight, and that is we must place ourselves where manna falls. So the manna didn't automatically appear in their pots. He could have done that. All he had to do was just speak, and it would have been there. God can do anything. But the Scripture says the manna was outside the camp. 
And so God could have put that miracle food wherever he wanted is just as easily as he put it outside the camp. But something powerful, here's a truth that is so powerful. We must place ourselves to receive the hidden manna. I got this thought about 25 years ago. And I don't believe I've preached it since then. But this is a, a, a tremendous revelation. We have to place ourselves. This is why back when Israel became a nation about May of 1948, and in that same time when they came from all around the globe, called back uh, into their homeland, it was a wonderful thing. And some folks think, you know, it's amazing the media, I'm going to just get off track here just a minute. You know, it's amazing the media that doesn't care for Israel. That's amazing to me. They own that land. The UN gave them that land. God Almighty gave them that land. There are boundaries to that land. They're a sovereign nation. But at the same time that happened, in 1948, then in 1949, 1950, and the early 50s, tents started popping up. Churches started in buildings like this. People were healed of all kinds of things. Miracles happened. And my dad took me to those meetings, and I saw firsthand the miracles of God, and it touched my heart. It changed my life. I remember hearing Betty Baxter in Oral Roberts Crusade. And this girl was emaciated, crippled, unbelievable, just twisted. And God told her, I'm going to heal you in the fall. And she, her mother went, bought a dress. She said, Mama, get me a dress. Get me some shoes so that I can get dressed and go to church on Sunday because Jesus is coming to heal me. The doctors thought, she's crazy. The, her, her dad came in and he asked the doctor, what uh, is happening here? And the doctor said, listen, you got to understand, when people want something really deep and they want something in their life, uh, sometimes they hear voices and sometimes they believe things that aren't going to happen. So just leave her alone and she'll get through it. But the, here's the truth. On that Sunday, even the pastor wouldn't come. She said, today. And her mother said, I know. She said, how do you know? She said, because the same God that talks to you, Betty, talks to me. Amen. Amen. And you know what happened? Hallelujah. A cloud came through that wall. Now, this is where folks have a hard time with me because, see, I believe in angels and I believe in doves and clouds and, and, and all those things. I believe it all. Praise God. I believe in prayer cloths. I believe in casting out devils. I believe the whole thing. Amen. I'm a radical Pentecostal. Hallelujah. I'm glad. One of them, one of them. You ever heard that song? I wrote that song. One of them, one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Holy Ghost fire baptized, speaking in tongues and paying my tithes. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Hallelujah. I might make a CD. <laughs> Amen. I saw the miracle power of God when William Branham came to a high school auditorium. And William Branham was a hick. I'm telling you from back in the sticks, back in the woods. He, he, they, had to pipe, they had to pipe sunlight back there. It was so dark back in the woods. This man was really uh, amazing. Amazing. And when he was just a young man, he heard a scratching on the door. He went to the door and there was an old possum there that had mange. And he went to get the shotgun and the Lord spoke to him and said, don't shoot the possum, pray for it. And he said he prayed for it. And the possum went away. Next morning, here she came back with all her babies. She was healed. And he prayed for all the babies. 
and they were healed. Amen. When he was just a boy, there came a sound through a tree like a funnel, and it scared him. And out of that tree, a voice spoke and said, Never drink, smoke, or defile your body in any way, for someday I have a great work for you to do. He was in a meeting in a, in a big uh, ballroom, and there was crystal, crystal ear and lighting. And he said, Watch this light move north and south. And it swung north and south. He said, Watch it move east and west. And it, wa- it went east and west. He said, Why would God do that? It's a sign that He's here tonight and He'll heal you. And I don't know how many, a dozen, couple of dozen got up out of wheelchairs instantly and were healed by the power of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was just a boy. And I remember when, when William Branham came out. His son, Billy Paul, brought him. And I'm sitting there. I'm just a boy watching all this. And his son brought him out. And uh, he, st- he stopped. He said, maybe you're wondering why uh, this is Billy Paul. You're wondering why my son brought me out. Because I'll be in the spirit after a while. And I won't know how to get to where I need to go. And you'll know who he is when he comes to get me. About that time, I'm telling you, we're all getting nervous. Say, so what's going to come and get him? Is he going to get us? What's going to happen here? This is outside our realm of reason. That's what we need. We need something outside our realm of reason that God can do. Hallelujah. That God Almighty can do. And he said, pointed out a lady. I won't point to you. I don't want to make you nervous. He pointed out a lady. He said, would you please stand? He said, you went to doctor, named his name. He has an office, named the street and the number. He said, and way he said, is that right? Is that right? She said, that's right. And the doctor told you you have cancer and you're not going to live. She said, that's, in fact, he's only given you six months. Is that right? She said, that's right. He said, you're healed today. And he said, the spirit, those demons are coming out of you now. And they're going into another lady over here that's mocking. Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. <laughs> I don't play games, amen. This thing starts getting real. I'm going to, do, I'm going to get real. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want you to know you have to place yourself in a place where manna falls. Don't waste your time going to a dead church, listening to a dead preacher. Preach uh, sermonettes, amen, to, uh, to a bunch of Christianettes, amen, who smoke cigarettes and drive Chevettes. Don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go somewhere where God is moving and people are being saved and filled with the Spirit and their lives are changed by the power of God. Hallelujah. Whoa, glory to God. Here's a powerful truth. We must place ourselves to receive the hidden manna. In the book Radical Wesley, he says the manna fell and 20,000 came to receive. Why? Because Finney and Whitfield and Wesley lifted their voices in faith and preached to the common, those people that were hard-working, good, down-to-earth people, and they preached the word of God. They wept, they cried out to God, and got saved by the multitudes. Friends, I'm telling you, those days are coming back. We're going to see a mighty revival. God's going to visit this planet one more time. Hallelujah. The church isn't dying. The church is going to rise up and do the wonders and exploits that God said in his word. Hallelujah. And we'll take God at his word and dare to believe that he still does those things that he declared. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am that manna. Your fathers ate that bread 
and they are dead. But I am that bread from heaven. And he that eateth of me shall never die. Hallelujah. Place yourself where manna falls. And I can assure you it falls here. The Bible is full of this truth. Thomas was not there when Jesus came. The woman at the, in the synagogue happened to go to the synagogue that day. She'd been bound 18 years. And one day Jesus came and she was loosed from her infirmity. What if she'd have said, I think I'll just miss today. But she went to the synagogue. There was a divine connection. And Jesus went to the synagogue. Listen, you're here tonight just as our dear Pastor Albert said. You're here tonight because God has crafted this word and this service just for you. So that your life can be changed. So you can experience what God says in the book. And you never be the same ever, ever again. Blind Barnabas on the road to Jericho, he placed himself by the road where Jesus was coming and he cried out, oh Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he was healed. Place yourself where manna falls. Mothers brought their children to Jesus to be blessed and they placed them in a place, in a situation to receive manna from heaven. Folks, manna's gonna come from heaven. It's coming where God's word is preached in power. Where God's word, where there are men who love God and hate sin. Where there are men who love Jesus and hate the devil. And believe that God can change anybody's life. That he's able to work miracles today. That he's alive. He's raising up a remnant. He's raising up a people who will do his will and say, yes, God, what is it? Bid me, Lord, and I will obey you. Hallelujah. There's one more thing about this manna. Its fulfillment is realized only in sharing. The verse in Exodus 16, 18, and they gathered little and had no lack, and they that gathered much had nothing over. There's something that we have to see and need to see in human nature. And that is, uh, in human nature, it doesn't really care to share. I tell our church one of the first things, revelations you get when you get married, it's a revelation. You have to share. You're kidding. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I, I just now remembered the first fight that Maria and I got in after we were married. We had a few before we got married. <clears throat> we don't talk about that. It's the poor Christ, B.C. And we went to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. We went to Disneyland. And we stayed at the Space Age Motel. Went through Disney. Had a great time. But when we're driving back to Arizona, there was one of these uh, vegetable fruit stands on the side of the road. And I said, let's get something here. And so she said, yeah. So we pulled in there. I got something to drink or something. And she got a great big red beautiful apple. And she said, you better get you one of those. I said, nah, I'm all right. We got in the road. How many know already what happened? <laughs> you know, when you bite into one of those apples and it pops, you know, and bam, whoa. I mean, the juice just comes down the side of your face. It's wonderful. And she bit into that apple and popped it open, put those big eyes around on me, big brown eyes, rolled them around. I said, give me a bite. She said, no. She did, no. I said, what do you, what do you mean, No. I thought we were married. No. 
It got kind of hot and intense a little bit there. You, you can tell it didn't bother me much. I still remember it's been 49 years. <laughs> well, there's something about human nature doesn't care to share. But we don't have to be like that. And finally, she did give me some for my, I have to give her benefit. But there is in Arizona barrel cactus on the desert, and it puts out instinctively a poison that will destroy all the plant life around them. A subtle, uh, a subtle poison mixed with water. The cactus does this for self-preservation so that it gets all the water that falls. He does it for self-preservation. I saw today in, at the Bush Library where he said, they said he cuts, he cuts down those cedars because they're uh, water hogs. They drink a lot of water. But you know that it's true that in our natural life, self-preservation, and it's many times marked with criticism and suspicions and old wounds and jealousy and bitterness and pride, and it is an issue, and this is what hinders that manna from really doing what God ordained it to be. Because the first thing that happens when we get saved and filled with the Spirit, we really get the good. Do you know what we want to do? We want to share it. Amen. We want to tell somebody. It's natural. If you get healed, you want to tell somebody. Oh, friends, I tell you, I've heard some evil reports from doctors. And amen. I had to, I had to share with people. Oh, this is what the doctor said, but Dr. Jesus had another report. And you, you get blessed of God. You want to share that. Amen. And so, when it comes, uh, I mean, it's like these, these women that shop, and they find a sale. You ever notice how they can, how many people they call, and how they get to texting and sending messages and all this? There's a sale over here. Hey, there's a sale over here. I, Elbert asked me before church, he said, some woman said, does shopping count for exercise? <laughs> well, it might, with my wife, she can spend five hours in Coles. You have a Coles here? Oh, man, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Five hours. I'm serious. God knows. And it, it is something that God does in us. The, listen, the Spirit of God does something in us that wants to share, that wants to give, wants to bless. Amen. I'm not afraid. I do not. I'm not afraid of money. Amen. It does not own me. Amen. We are to love people and use money, not use people and love money. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a big hand clap. That's good preaching. Hallelujah. Manna gathered was to be shared. And this is true in our ministry. This is true in our life. This is true in discipleship. Everything that I have, I give to your pastor. Everything that I know, I give it and pass it on. It's to be shared. Everything, revelation, ministry, everything. If we don't, we minister death. Amen. And when we minister Beyond ourselves, we minister life. And this is so, this is the ultimate to fulfillment. It's when we minister beyond ourselves. And fulfillment is ministering beyond ourselves. I've never claimed to heal anybody. But if I'll be faithful and step out, God will meet us there. God will do something there. Amen. Not just when I pray, but when they're in a service. I've seen more people healed in the last two years in all my ministry. More. And I've wondered, God, why is that? And I know he has a reason. But I can tell you this. We're in the last days. And there's an increase of the spirit of God that's moving through people. And this is so important. Now, let me, let me wind this up. Jesus said, if any of you go one mile with him, then go two. 
Under Roman law, every Jewish male was required to carry a burden for one mile. The Jewish boy had a peg driven in every direction one mile from home. By going two miles, Jesus said, you release something of the spirit life called hidden manna. They went beyond. They did something that was radical. They were believing God. When Jesus went to the Jacob's well, they, the, Jesus said, I must need to go by Samaria. Well, why would he go there? Samaria was out of his way. These people, the custom was not to go through Samaria. They were looked upon as Samaritan dogs. They were looked down upon. And here the Bible says they're unclean. They're religiously perverted. And then when we go to Israel, we'll see where Samaria is. And that'll be brought up. But at Jacob's well, one of the one of the things that's out of relationship, Jesus, here is a Jew, talking to a Samaritan woman, and Jesus said, listen, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He's saying, I have gone out of my way, I have shared what I am, and I have meat to eat. This was a revelation that you know not of. If we would follow the pattern of Jesus, we would experience so much more. We would see so many things if we'd obey the Holy Spirit. So fulfillment is the portion of those who will be a blessing to others. It's the portion of those who will be a blessing to others. God doesn't give us money to keep it. He, he doesn't give us a good car just to drive it. Amen. Israel Houghton, his mother was on the side of a road. And as I remember, this woman came by in a Cadillac saw Margaret on the side of the road with little Israel and stopped and witnessed to her, led her to Christ, and then drove away. We don't even know who she was. God gives us things so we can do something with them. Hallelujah. It's a tremendous thing to be a blessing. My son married a Nicaraguan. And of course, he couldn't speak, he couldn't speak Spanish and she couldn't speak English. But how many know there's other ways to communicate? <laughs> Y'all shouldn't be laughing at that. That's a dirty joke. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Paul, you can't help it. Amen. Well, what I'm saying, I told my dad, I said, they can't either one of them talk uh, the language. He said, well, they can rub around on each other. Well, you got to realize he's about 90 years old, and he's saying things, you know, woo. So, he, when, when he met her, she came up out of the ranchos. Your pastor knows about the ranchos. They're dirt floors, no, no running water, no sewage, nothing. I mean, it's bad. And uh, her mother is a godly woman. In fact, she's uh, with us now in Colorado Springs. And she got her green card, and uh, she's there. And so it's, it's all legal, and that's the way it should be. And so, amen, in spite of what's happening, that's the way it's supposed to be. Either that or change the law and open the, open the gate. One or the other. But don't be a hypocrite about it. Enforce the laws. Now, I know y'all don't hold your money back just because I'm getting up on your toes a little bit. But, but the truth is, I give her, and I'm not bragging at all, I give her $200 a month. And you know what? The average pay there is less than 100 So she's in tall cotton. Amen. And she's doing good. Why do you do that? Because it's right. How can I not do that? How can I not share? How can I not do that? 
No, friends, I'm telling you tonight, if, listen, God let a lot of things come our way if we won't be greedy. And we will share those things. And let God be glorified. I believe that with all my heart. Share those things. Hallelujah. The opposite of a, of a self-life is a sharing life. And I thank God I married a girl that loves to give, loves to share. And we keep each other balanced, but she just loves to look for people to bless and to share and to help. And that means a lot to me. Amen. I don't worry about the books. Be honest with you, she takes care of the books. I just ask her, we still got money in the bank? She says, oh, yeah. So okay. And she just gives a tithe and gives the offerings. And she'll ask me if it's a big offering. She'll ask me. And I always say, yes, let's go do it. Don't be afraid. God will be indebted to none of us. But we listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Amen? And when we do, he brings all these things together. So the manna fell only at the level that we would experience it. You can talk about worship till the cows come home. Worship, worship, worship. I hear so much about worship, 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 worship. And I look out there, and here's these people, here's these men with their hands on the front, on the back of the row in front of them, looking around like a bird dog. That ain't worship. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. Listen, I see people, they come to church, they don't worship. Here, everybody's worshiping. You know what? Man is not going to help that man. It will fall where they're willing to experience it. You say, what's happening? I see more people delivered from drugs and perversion and porno and all the filth that's in the world when they just lift their hands and focus and say, God, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Or oh, a wonderful thing happens. Evangelism, evangelism. I took evangelism courses, but I didn't know how to witness. I didn't know how to give an altar call. But when I began to evangelize, I began to witness. You know what happened? God began to pour in more revelation. So it's the will of God. And then we place ourselves in a place where that man is falling in a church. I, I want to encourage you. I don't know who's who, but I'm going to tell you something. If I lived here, I'd go to this church. I know this pastor and his wife and his kids, his parents, his family, all of you. I'm telling you that this man has a word from God. He's one of, the, one of our favorites from Colorado Springs. And if not the favorite, I mean, he, he made a real impact on our people. Especially, did you say amen? amen. Oh. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> I know you didn't. I'm just teasing you. But, but it's the truth. It's the truth that manna falls where the word of God's being preached. Amen. And where people can experience the love of God. Let's pray.